This morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of John, continuing on in our series uh, that Pastor Kevin started last week. And this morning, particularly, we're going to be in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And uh, as, as you turn there to John 8, uh, when I was growing up, on Christmas Eve, everybody has Christmas Eve traditions, right? You have certain things you probably do on Christmas Eve and you uh, do with your family or you've started new traditions with your family or you're thinking about starting new traditions. Well, one of the traditions we did on Christmas Eve was that every Christmas Eve we'd go to the service at our church and then our family would load up in our minivan, drive to um, one of the local um, islands off the coast of Georgia where we lived, uh, this island called Jekyll Island. Anybody ever heard of Jekyll Island before? A few of y'all. So we drive over to Jekyll Island, and Jekyll Island is a state park, state historical site. Um, used to have mansions for the Rock- Rockefellers and uh, many other uh, millionaires of the 20th century. And um, these mansions and this whole island would be lit up in Christmas lights. Now, I love Christmas lights. I, I just, I don't know, something about, I will gladly admit Whenever I start seeing Christmas lights, even in the beginning of November, my heart leaps for joy. I know, it's, it's sad, you know, but I love Christmas lights. And so every Christmas Eve when we go and we see these millions and millions of Christmas lights lighting up this island, it brought such joy to me. Uh, and then, of course, we'd go home and have some cookies and uh, play some games and prepare to wake up early the next morning. But we have this Christmas traditions, right? And, and for me, for us, that Christmas tradition included Christmas lights. And when you think about Christmas lights, there's many different um, uh, theories about how Christmas lights got started, but one of the ones is so that people would remember that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, they also put candles in their trees, which sounds incredibly dangerous, but... I understand it went all right. I'm sure we're glad today to be able to have LED bulbs in our trees. Um, so the light, the light of the world. This is the, one of the titles that Christ has. And we see, especially in the Gospel of John, this theme of light, light and darkness as Christ as the light of the world uh, appears several times. Uh, in John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John 1, 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John 3, 19, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world. John 12, 35, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light. And then John 8, 12, which is our text for this morning, John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me read that again. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so just a little bit of context here in the uh, book of John. John 8, Jesus is speaking at the festival of booths or the festival of the tabernacle. And this was a time when the Jewish people would recognize and remember Israel's time in the wilderness and how God had provided for them in their wilderness travels when they had come out of Egypt in the Exodus. And so Jesus is speaking here. Um, he's speaking 
to several of the people, but especially this context, the audiences, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, um, and, and Jesus is telling them, I am the light of the world. And we're going to see in this single verse today, just like last week we looked at John 3.16, this week is another single verse. And we're going to see that Jesus gives a declaration in this verse, and then he gives an invitation in this verse, a declaration and an invitation. So first we see the declaration, the declaration, the assertion that Jesus makes before these Pharisees. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, what does Jesus mean when he makes this declaration? Well, let's break it into two parts. We'll begin by looking at what Jesus means when he says that he is the light. First, when Jesus says that he is the light, he is declaring that he is God. Every time that we see one of these seven I am statements in the book of John, they are statements that Jesus makes pointing in part to his divinity. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And in this case, I am the light of the world. Well, how do we know that Jesus is declaring his divinity? Because the scriptures refer to God as light. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. 1 John 1, 5, which we studied earlier this fall, John writes that God is light and in him there is no darkness. God is light and because Jesus is God in human flesh, he is the light that has become flesh. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good person. He's not just a prophet. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's divine. Second, Jesus is declaring that he is the Messiah, the long foretold Savior who would come to rescue the people of God from their oppression. The Old Testament prophets pointed to this coming Messiah, especially the prophet Isaiah. Listen to these verses from Isaiah. Isaiah 9-2, we studied this last, uh, last Christmas. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light prophesying this light would come. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then Isaiah 42, 6-7, I am the Lord, I have called you, speaking about the Messiah, in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And then Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Christ came as the Messiah. He came to lift his people from the spiritual oppression of sin. And John the Baptist himself cried out upon seeing Jesus this this statement, this declaration that we've already son of this morning, that behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. An amazing statement. And Lord willing, next Sunday on Christmas morning, Kevin is going to be uh, teaching us on that, that verse. And we invite you again to join us on Christmas 1030. Um, but when Jesus declares he is the light of the world, he is asserting his divinic claims. He's asserting his messianic claims. And third, his claims of holiness, of holiness. When used in the scriptures, light is good and pure and full of truth. This is who Christ is. 
He is the source of all truth, all moral purity, and all holiness in the dark, this dark and sinful world. And so by his coming, he has revealed the sinfulness of mankind. This week, we moved to a new home here in Saginaw, and um, this uh, home has been sitting empty for a number of months, and uh, although the uh, real estate company had said they came in and cleaned, once we went into the house, it was like, this looks nice, you know, it looks good, it looks, looks pretty clean, but then we turned the lights on and opened the shades. And if you've ever gone into a house after, you know, it's been sitting and you turn the lights on and go and open the shades, dust starts going everywhere, the floorboards are filthy, not filthy, but you know, there's, there's dirt you didn't see before, um, uh, Paul is walking across the floor, and then a few minutes later, you look at his feet, and they're black, right? There's cobwebs in, the, in the, the shades, all things that can be easily be cleaned. But it wasn't until we were turning on the lights and we opened up the shades that we saw all this filthiness in this house. Again, not filthiness. It wasn't that bad. But all this, um, all of this in, the, in the house. And this is what Jesus has done by coming into the world, When he came into the world as the light, he illuminated our sinfulness because compared to the holiness of Christ's light, our sin is like a filthy floorboard because we have all sinned against God. We have rejected him and we've worshiped something other than God. We have put ourselves before God and this is what sin is. And every person is born with a nature bent on rebelling against God. That is every person except for Christ Jesus. For Jesus as God in human flesh was born perfect, good, true, holy, and without sin. H.A. Ironside, who was an early 20th century Bible teacher, he wrote that his very presence among men, talking about Christ, was the condemnation of all other men. For here at last was on man's Absolutely, holy, utterly true, perfectly righteous. Every other man was shown up alongside of him as sinful and full of iniquity. Jesus illuminates our sinfulness. And Paul teaches us in Romans 6.23 that the punishment for our sin is death. Complete separation from God. A future in the eternal torment of hell. But thanks be to God. That Christ has not only revealed, illuminated our sinfulness, but that Christ also has revealed to us as the light, the plan of salvation. We heard it last week with Pastor Kevin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, what? Believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the beautiful message of the gospel that although we are in sin, there is still hope through Christ Jesus And writing to the Corinthians church in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes this. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, referring to those who have rejected God. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so if you have confessed your sins and you have followed Jesus as Lord, your eyes have been opened by Christ to not only see your own sinfulness, 
but also the wonderful mercies of God. So Christ's light is divine. He is the Messiah. He illuminates our sinfulness. But the question is, is Jesus the light for the Jewish people only? Because he's speaking in a Jewish context. No, he is the light of the what? The world, the light of the world. Paul proclaiming to King Agrippa in Acts 26, he says that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles, the Gentiles being the non-Jews. And so Christ is the light of the world, not just light to the Jews, not just light to the Gentiles, but light to all people in all places, in all nations, at all time. He is the light of the world. No matter how deep in sin we are, no matter where we come from or what our past contains, he can forgive us of our sins. Amen? Amen. That is good news. But the question is, how will we respond to this declaration that Jesus is the light of the world? We have two options. The first one is either we can reject Christ, as the Pharisees do in John 8, 13. Uh, look at John 8, 13. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees immediately respond with, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. What you're saying, Christ, is not true. And, and Jesus, if you read on, will go to, to speak towards that, that claim but we can either do that, reject Christ and not believe, or we can respond the way that Jesus calls his disciples to respond in John 12, 36, when he's with them. And he says, while you have the light, believe in the light. While you have me, believe in me that you may become sons of light. To believe is to trust in Christ with complete confidence. Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that he is the Messiah, that he can save us from our sins through his death on the cross. Believe that after three days in the grave, Jesus rose from the dead and is still alive and reigning today. Believe that Jesus is the light of the world. So Jesus gives this declaration. And he follows that with an invitation. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does it mean? To follow Jesus. Well, first, to follow Jesus is to submit to Jesus' authority. The word to follow in the original Greek is akalutheo. And it's more than just, I'm going to follow you to the restaurant. Right? It's, it's far more than that. It means I will follow you with obedience. I will submit myself to wherever you are going and whatever you are asking me to do. And this is what following Jesus looks like. It's obedience and it's submission. Jesus himself, he called his disciples to this type of obedience. Listen to just three of these verses. Luke 9, 23, Christ saying, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And then in John 21, we see this interaction between Jesus and between Peter. This is following Jesus' resurrection. When Peter and Jesus are, are standing on the, on the shore. And, and Jesus says to Peter, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And so um, uh, Jesus says to Peter, this is how you are going to die. And then he says this, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Even though this will happen, follow me. Because following Jesus means putting aside our pride, our selfishness, our own wants and desires to the side, and giving everything we have to doing what Christ calls us to do. You know, I often wonder what would happen if in my own life, in our families, our church, even our community, if we actually did what God, what the scriptures commanded us to do. It's easy to blame our our disobedience on our our sinful nature and, and weak human flesh, but yet the disciples had that same weak human flesh, and Christ still called them to be obedient. And he calls us here today to this obedience. To follow the light of the world is to be obedient to him. But not only to follow Jesus doesn't mean to be obedient and submit to him. There is reward for following Jesus. What is that reward? Well, he says that we will not walk in darkness, but that we will have the light of life. We will not walk in darkness. This imagery may remind us and possibly the listeners of uh, Jesus, since this did take place during the, the Jewish festival of booths, that during the Exodus, God himself led the people out of Egypt with pillars of cloud and of what? Do you guys remember? Cloud and what? Fire. A pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. And Moses records in Exodus 13, 21, that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And at the end of the book of Exodus, Moses writes that wherever God's people went throughout the wilderness, he led them by this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. God led them. And when God took on flesh as Christ Jesus, that same light that guided the Israelites' feet in the wilderness, made it possible for both Jews and Gentiles, the whole world, to no longer have to walk in darkness if they follow the light. What sort of darkness does Christ speak of? Well, I believe it's first a spiritual darkness. A spiritual darkness. Without Jesus, we are slaves to our own sin. We are in bondage, unable to break free with good works or a solid church attendance or a believing parent or spouse. Sin has a hold on our lives that without Christ, we can never hope to be set free of. Paul wrote of this state in Ephesians 2. He said that you were dead in the trespasses and sins you once walked. Dead, completely dead. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked, lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Before we saw the light, we did not know the mercies of God or the salvation from our sins that come in Christ. But he has revealed to us our own sinfulness. 
and our need for salvation. And when we follow the light of the world, we find freedom from sin and from evil, from that bondage. We no longer wander in the darkness without any hope of salvation. A new creation who has seen the light. John, he writes in John 1, 5, that the darkness, that sin and evil and Satan has not and will not overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. If, uh, I'll Scott, go to the back. Um, don't tell Kevin. <clears throat> I have a lighter and a candle. Kevin's looking nervous down there. All right, so let me light this candle here. Okay, Scott, turn off the lights. Okay, so, object lesson. It's dark in here now. What happened to the light? Did anything happen to the light? No, it is brighter, but it was also bright before. It's just the lights were on. So turn the lights back up. All right, we have the light. Turn the lights back down. Okay, we have the light. Turn the lights back up for good now. So, just like this light, right? When the dark, the way it became dark in here, did this light fade at all? Did this light get darker with the darkness? No, it didn't at all. The darkness of the room could not overcome the light. In fact, the light got brighter. In the same way, in the same way, it doesn't matter in the same way the darkness of sin and spiritual oppression from Satan can never and could never overcome the light of Christ. It doesn't matter how much darkness there is in the world. It doesn't matter how much reign or rule Satan may have or think that he has. The light of Christ will not fade and it cannot overcome the light we find freedom from spiritual darkness, but we also no longer walk in an earthly darkness. In an earthly darkness. This world can be a dark place at times. Both in our own individuals' lives and our collective lives. And even this Christmas, there may be some of us who are personally experiencing the loss of a loved one. Or a marriage that is falling apart or a financial crisis in which we think, how can I still have hope in the midst of such darkness, in the midst of such pain and sorrow? Or perhaps we look at the dark events, not in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us, in the world around us, in our country and around the world, and we, we look and we say, how in the world will we be able to make it through? How can there be any hope well, the light of the world not only frees us from spiritual darkness, but in the midst of our personal darkness, it brings us, Christ brings us peace and joy in the midst of it all. Listen to what the Word of God says. Christ himself telling his disciples, Peace I leave with you in John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then in John 16, 
he again says to his disciples, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But then he says these words, take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And then in Philippians 4, a passage we are familiar with, Paul writes and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be what? Anxious, worried about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We may not understand why we experience darkness in this world as believers, but we do understand that if we follow Jesus and we have turned to the light of the world in the midst of tribulation, we can find peace and joy and we can sing like the hymnist did, it is well with my soul. This is the peace we have in Christ. It's kind of like this. Kids, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you sleep with a nightlight? None of y'all. A couple of y'all. The hands are kind of shady. That's okay. It's not something to be ashamed of, right? Let me ask the adults. When you were a kid, how many of you slept with nightlights? Okay, a few of y'all. I heard somebody say they still did. Uh, So... um, Nightlights are a wonderful creation, right? Because it is a light at what? Night, right? It doesn't work during the day. But at night when you're in the dark and you're a kid and you're scared of the dark, the nightlight is your best friend. Because in the dark are scary monsters and boogeymans in the closet and things under the bed or weird sounds or whatever the case may be. It is scary in the dark, right? But when you have the light on and when you have the nightlight on your bedstand or in the corner, wherever it may be, you felt such comfort, right? Because you knew that you could see. There was comfort by having that light. This is the same comfort that Christ brings. Remember what Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah later in Isaiah 9. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Prince of Peace. We can look to Jesus for hope in this dark world and also as our future hope in heaven. Because not only is there hope here, but there's hope in the life to come. One day, for those who have followed Jesus, we will no longer walk in the darkness of this sinful world at all, but on the streets of gold in eternity with God free from all pain and all evil and all sorrow and all sin. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen. There's the earthly darkness. There's the spiritual darkness. But then I think there is the darkness of sinful habits. If we have followed Jesus, then we should be no longer willingly walking in unrepentant sin. That's what the scriptures teach us. If you recall from our studies earlier in, uh, in, the, in the fall, in the first few chapters of 1 John, John writes about this darkness of sinful habits. He says in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we are still in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
And then in chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his light. John is very clear. We cannot say that we walk in the light if we still harbor unrepentant sin. If we still hate our brother, if we uh, lie and do not practice the truth. In Ephesians 5, turn with me there if you have a copy of God's Word. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes uh, this. He writes on this beginning in verse 1. He says, Therefore be imitators as God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness may not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness. Remember, he's writing here to the church. He's writing here to believers who have repented of their sins. He says, do not become partners with them. Do not become partners with the idolaters and the sexual immoral. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He says, walk as children of what? Light. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that, it, that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And then look at what Paul writes. Look at this, this um, warning. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everyone to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we are to walk as children of the light, is light marked by sin or by purity? It's purity, it's holiness. And so, just as John wrote, how can we say we walk in the light while we still walk in the darkness? Remember, to follow Christ is to be obedient, not just in some areas of our life, not just on Sundays, not just when we have company over, but every moment of our life being obedient to Christ, laying aside every sin that so easily entangles us and fixing our eyes on him. Brothers and sisters, may our lives not be filled with darkness, but may we have clean hearts turned to God.
May we repent of our sins and turn away from them so that we will not walk in darkness. If we follow Jesus, we will be set free from spiritual and earthly darkness and from darkness of our uh, sinful habits. This is the invitation that Jesus sets before the people in John 8. And it's the same invitation that we have here today to follow Jesus in obedience to not walk in darkness. If we follow Jesus, we have the light of life, eternal salvation, and peace on this earth. That's good news, right? Gives us a reason to say joy to the world. Amen? Amen. But here's the thing. We're not done yet. If we have believed in Jesus' declaration that he is the light of the world, and we have accepted the invitation to follow Christ then what are we ought to do with the light that we have within us? Well, Jesus talks about that as well. Turn over to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is during the Sermon of the Mount. Begin in verse 14, John chapter 5. Jesus says that you are the what? The light of the what? Who else said that he was the light of the world? All right, let's try that again. Who else said that he was the light of the world? Jesus. Jesus. Good. Y'all learned something today. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And then verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we are a new creation in Christ, we have the light of Christ dwelling within us. We have salvation. We have the Spirit. And so we are now children of the light. We are now carrying the light. And so as people who carry the light, should we keep that light hidden? Should we keep that light under a bushel? Should we keep that light at home? Should we keep that light only here at church, put it on a stand, and then pick it back up when we come back? No. It says to let your light shine before who? Others or men. All right? All men, all peoples. Let your light shine as people who are light of the world. And you think about our church's mission statement, right? As a church, we desire to lead every generation from every nation to know and follow Jesus Christ to know, to believe, and to follow Jesus Christ. This comes from the scriptures. Our commission as the people of God is to take the light, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the good news of the gospel, and to take it to all whom we encounter. So whether that's in our schools, kids, whether that's at home with our families, whether that's in our workplaces, whether that's um, sitting in the carpool line, uh, whether that's in the grocery store, We are charged with carrying the light and letting our light shine so that, Jesus says, they may see your good works and give what to your Father? Glory. Do our lives bring glory to God? And everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, do our lives bring glory to God? Because in bringing glory to God with our lives, 
then we are letting the light of Christ shine in our lives. And so there's a declaration, there's an invitation. This is the hope that we have, church. This Christmas, as we think about the gift of Christ, the gift that God gave us in the person of Christ, may we remember that Christ is the light of the world. He is God. He is Messiah. He comes to reveal our own sinfulness with his holiness and that he calls us to follow him in obedience, trusting in him so that we no longer walk in the spiritual darkness, we no longer walk in earthly darkness, personal darkness, we no longer walk in the darkness of unrepentant sins. This is who Christ is. And so this Christmas, I'm assuming most of you guys have Christmas lights at home or you have see Christmas lights driving around. Allow those to be a reminder. They're pretty, but allow them to be a reminder that one, Christ is the light of the world and two, that we are commanded to follow him and we are commanded to let our light shine, his light shine before others. This morning, if you're here, and you have not trusted in Jesus, if you're here this morning and you, your eyes have suddenly been opened to this light that is found in Christ, you have suddenly realized your own sinfulness and your own need for salvation. I'm calling upon you. We are calling upon you to repent of your sins and to follow Jesus today. Believe in him and follow him with your whole life. If you have questions about that, come and talk to myself. Come and talk to Pastor Kevin or any of our elders because we want the light of Christ to spread, right? We want it to spread throughout the whole world. And so if you're here this morning and that's you and you have questions, you have questions about what, who Jesus is and who, or who God is or how all of this works or what the scriptures are, come and talk to us. Come and talk to us. But if you're here this morning and you are a child of God, then walk in the light because you have been given the light. We have been given the light. Follow Jesus even to the end of the earth, even to the ends of our own life. I'm going to finish with this from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy, or Paul gives to Timothy this doxology. He says, He referring to Christ Jesus, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen.